Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome, one and all, and those who are new listeners as well. Brendan here with Mark, vetgurus.com, vetgurus at gmail.com. And the date is unknown because we are recording this in the past. To For the future. Send off into the future, Mark, I think, um, as one of our keeper episodes because we're out and about as we post this or maybe we're back home who knows mark how are you i'm great brendan really really good that's good to hear i tell you what we've had some interesting cases at work mark Um, we didn't really chat about any of the cases um in our pre-show brainstorming i'd call it mark brainstorming (laughs) What what do you reckon that's a good word um yeah, we've had some interesting one. Took some um, little lumps off a froggy, Mark, um, just under Which local. species, Brendan? Which species? Uh, have a guess. Green tree frog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just little um, pedunculated little um, masses on front toes, um, which I have a feeling they're little papillomas, which we not unfrequently can get these viral papillomas in little amphibians, but it may be something more nasty there, but I don't think the owners are particularly keen on sending off or spending the money on the pathology, um, but I um, managed to remove them reasonably well. One of them um, perhaps is a little bit of a um, tissue left there, so I'd be interested to in see whether that one grows back, but I, I just took them off under local anaesthetic mark. So put some Emla cream on there, the local anaesthetic cream, and uh, then pulled out the little surgical, little fine scissors, the iris type scissors, and uh, pulled up the lumps and snipped. And for hemostasis, I used two things, Mark. Well, three things, actually. One that you like, time. <laughs> <laughs> My Plenty favorite. of time, yep. Uh, second one, a little cotton bud. We just put a little pressure on there. And although one of the um, masses, the base of that one didn't bleed at all. And thirdly, just the tiniest, tiniest um, spot of the tissue glue, Mark. Um, and it worked very well. So I was quite pleased with that. Um, if they do recur and the owners are keen, I think we'll, we'll get a bit more serious with the surgical aspect and we'll probably combine it with a sedative or an anaesthetic as well um, to keep the froggy a bit more still and we'll do a bit of a wider resection of it. But um, yeah, so that was that was a fun one. And it's good when you get those little cases that you sort of have to think a little bit laterally about the approach to them and how do we do this surgical case and and even better when it comes together, Mark. Um, I, I've said to you many times, Brendan, I love it when a plan comes together and particularly when it's a plan about amphibian surgery. I love those plans coming together most of all. Yeah, so that was really good. Um, and the second one, well, it relates to something I'm going to do a pre-review of, Mark, which we may or may not jump in um, straight straight away. Um, but, yes, um, you know, business um, been plugging away. Um, and, again, because we may be sometime in the future or the past, depending on when you listen to this podcast, um, it... Uh, 
yeah, it comes in, always comes in waves, doesn't it? I mean, I've found there's a there's a particular um, little bit of a dip with clientele, especially during the few days after school holidays finish, Mark. Um, and it makes makes logical sense, I think, in that um, the parents are running around trying to get the kids back to school, and the last thing they want to do is take the you know, the dog to the vet for its own gland expression um, because they've, they're, they're time poor um, for that period when they're going back to back to school. So that's one particular time when we tend to see it, things slow down a little bit and then often the first week of holidays as well. Um, and that Christmas, New Year period in our area, Mark, um, a lot of people go away and, and as you know, we, we close our clinic during that from sort of Christmas Eve until the 2nd of January approximately. So we have sort of enforced holidays for everybody for that week or 10 days. So if you haven't got any news, Mark. <laughs> Did you, you were going to tell us, you, you, you were going to lead into a second a interesting a pre, yeah, the pre, Oh, Yeah, which is sort of the, related to this product that I'm doing a, 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 a teaser review, Mark. Um, the most circuitous segue I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Well, as you, I think I mentioned to you, perhaps off air, that uh, I bit the bit the um, bullet and I um, went out and purchased purchased um, for a porpoise um, a Clarius ultrasound, little portable ultrasound machine. So the the version three of the Clarius ultrasound, and I know that we did review the Clarius ultrasound. Perhaps it was version one, Mark. I can't remember. It's two or three years ago, wasn't it? Um, and we were quite, quite impressed with it. I, I did a trial of it for a year or so, um, but at that stage I ended up buying some other piece of equipment <laughs> instead instead of it. Um, but I did go out and buy the C7 VET, um, at its version 3 of it, and um, i tell you what, it is um, fun, Mark. Um, and what I love about it is um, how simple it is to just, switch it on um it connects to it you know um, a, a tablet um in my case a, a little ipad or even an iphone but it works with the android system as well and that's where you view um your um your little ultrasound there mark and uh yeah the one that um uh, that was quite interesting was um a rabbit that had abdominal masses and I just um, had it in for radiographs um, and then I decided I'll pull out the pull out the little ultrasound to have a bit of a play with it and uh, lo and behold it um, gave it an amazing um, amazingly detailed little um, view of some nasty masses inside the abdominal cavity of this rabbit and I think the rabbit um, is no longer with us because of that. Not because of my poor ultrasound technique, <laughs> hopefully, um, but because of the fact that it had something that almost certainly was going to be um, going to end up um, not well for the rabbit. Um, I did offer them an exploratory to have a bit of a poke around, um, but we had some pretty horrible nodular masses based on both the radiographs and, and the ultrasound there, Mark, that were not homogenous with the with the look of it, and they were. One of them was about eight centimeters in diameter, um, but getting back to the to the scanner, that it's just so convenient and so intuitive as far as even doing things like measuring distances. You just tap with your finger on one spot and um, swipe it towards the other um, spot, and it instantly gives you a readout of the of the um, 
of the distance. Um, um, yeah, so it's a really good scanner, and I'll um, I may talk about it um, after some more you, scans. Um, you may talk about it repeatedly, Brennan. I think it's um uh, it fascinates me too that um we won't mention a specific number because I don't know what it is, but um I know that when I first many years ago looked at getting an ultrasound machine for the practice, we were talking to the suppliers of devices that had, you know, five-figure number price tags attached to them, and and that dropped an order of magnitude um, over, over the last, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we actually got a machine that we could afford. And now these... These machines are getting as good, if not better, images, and they're an order of magnitude less yes. in cost again. And and bloody hell, you're not lugging around a, you know, a, it's a almost the size of the width of a of an iPhone. One of the larger iPhones. No, it's amazing. Um, um, yeah, and it has specific um, veterinary presets um, with the software there, including um, you know vascular ones, and it does have. Um, all the fancy colour Doppler on there as well, Mark, um, for doing cardiac studies as well. Um, bladder, uh, musculoskeletal, lung, nerve. There's a general veterinary um, sort of preset as well, which is what I use for this um, rabbit I did the, yesterday or the other day. Um, so, yeah, I, um, the beauty of it is I think it, it, I am going to start doing a lot more ultrasound because it's um, even dumbos like me can manage to work their way around it mark um and it has got excellent reviews with some of the experienced ultrasonographers or the radiographers uh or the radiology specialists mark um that that state that they regard this particular unit as up there with the quality of um many of the sort of cart-based systems. Um, so that's pretty yeah, amazing, yeah. That's impressive. I really look forward to your um, – I know your critical appraisal is always useful um, both to me and to our whole audience. So we look forward to you whacking it on the swollen abdomen of many rabbits and ferrets and um, reporting back to us, Brendan. I will make sure I do that, Mark, yes. So that's my – Review that was going to be a short little two-minute review that ended up being five minutes. So it's just yeah. it really is just a preview of a review. I would have yeah, thought that's right. So with that, I think we won't cover any news this week, Mark, because we'll jump into our main topic, which is a dare I say controversial one, Mark. And I know you and I have sort of spoken about this and waxed lyrical about some of the you know philosophical aspects of these products previously mark and that's prebiotics and probiotics and i think we'll stick to one particular species that i certainly commonly get uh, clients and even veterinarians asking you know um, should we be using them or, or dispensing them and that's rabbits mark so we'll stick to mainly rabbits with it and um, i think our first step mark and um you're the one with i, the, I want the, you to tell me no you're the one with the, you're the <laughs> one with the um the the smooth voice. Um, <laughs> well, can you, you, you give us some me definitions? With a wonderful yes. definition, wonderful set of definitions, and I'll um I'm reading them out here, so just so our readers know that I haven't committed the to memory. Um, and it is important. Definitions are one of the. I, I think it's important to go through this process when we're talking about these uh, agents, uh, because what they do and how they do it 
is important. It's important that we understand what we're asking them to do and why we're asking them to do it so that we can make decisions intelligently. So prebiotics, Brendan, they are compounds in foods that induce the growth or activity of beneficial microorganisms such as bacteria or fungi, protozoa, or sometimes even parasites. The most common example is in the gastrointestinal tract where prebiotics can alter the composition of the organisms in the gut microbiome the whole the total gut microflora this is distinct from probiotics which are a um, a concoction of live organisms or maybe freeze-dried organisms that are promoted with claims that they provide health benefits when consumed. Um, generally, those, those health benefits are, are caused by improving or restoring gut flora. Prebiotics are generally considered safe to con- uh, probiotics are generally considered safe to consume, but they may cause a variety of bacteria host interactions and unwanted side effects in rare case, in rare, on rare occasions. There is some evidence that probiotics are beneficial in some conditions, but there is little evidence for many of the health benefits claimed for them. And that last sentence is something that really doesn't surprise you or I, does it, Brendan? Yes, and that that, that uh, both of those quotes or summaries were from Wikipedia, so thank you to Wikipedia there. And, and yeah, what I tend to say to the um, often is, for me, I dumb it down for me, Mark, but sometimes I say to the clients as well that prebiotics are, are, are feeding the good bugs. Um, so you're giving food or, or you're um, pushing food into the gut that helps helps those good bugs grow and probiotics are, are reseeding the good bugs into the gut. You know, that's one, one way I sort of, and it's, you know, it's not, technically correcting 100% there, but it's one, one way that I try and get across the fact the difference between those two different things, mate, prebiotics and probiotics. So the reason why I wanted to chat about this is, as I mentioned at the start, we commonly have um, clients especially saying, okay, I have my rabbit that has had gut stasis or it's a rabbit that's prone to getting gut stasis or it's a rabbit that has chronic sloppy first-pass drop-ins, those cicatrosis are always caked around its backside. I've heard that prebiotics or probiotics work and there is an increasing number of commercial products um, that are available worldwide and it does vary between countries obviously um, but it's amazing how many of them out there and I did a bit of a search before um, we started Mark there's there's a lot more than there used to be there and there's even um, ones that were that people pick up um, from the from the um, from the um, natural, you know, um, product shops. What, what do you call them? The, the health uh, food health stores. food stores. Yes, um, um, and they might even make up a concoction and say this one's particularly useful for a rabbit. But there are rabbit specific ones that are marketed and and um, as as been useful for rabbits. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, the use of them and and whether or not we um, recommend them and whether there's any issues with using them. One of the interesting things, Brendan, I think about, um, particularly about probiotics, is that there's not that the, the the spectrum of bacteria and yeasts that are used in these um, preparations. There's not a 
great um, lot of evidence to say. In fact, there's even very little evidence. You know, very few studies have been done to show what bugs occur normally in the intestines of all the species we look at, but particularly in rabbits. And in fact, there's only it's only been in the last few years that um, that some research has been done to say, well, maybe these organisms are the right ones to have in the in the um, cecum and large bowel, and um, and so it can be. It's a there is a bit of tenuousness about the the actual you know bugs like. Lactobacillus and whatnot um, that go into these mixtures and then the bugs that go into the gut. But I say to clients, I'm much like you, I try and keep it simple for myself and keep it simple for the clients. Even if the bugs that we put in to the rabbit are not the ones that are in the gut, they're like, you know, they're they're, um, uh, changing a fallow field. If the rabbits had antibiotics and then these bugs go in, they're benign, but they change the pH, they change the environment to make it more favourable for the normal bugs. Um, and I think there is some evidence to suggest that process occurs. Yes. Um, so, and, so yeah, and I think going back, you know, going back to basics, I I do exactly like you. I I, I go through it stepwise with the clients, and I um, ponder a few questions that I think we. Sometimes we don't know the answers of some of the, these questions, but the first one I always state to them is, you know, um, do we, you know, are those bacteria that you're putting down the throat of your rabbit, will they survive getting through the rabbit's stomach? Because if we remember that rabbit's stomach has a very acid pH of around about one or two, so we, um, there's a fair chance that depending on how those probiotics are, packaged or not um stuff all of them may get past that stomach um so that's the first first comment and there are papers out there studying probiotics and and i'm not quite sure how many about prebiotics use in in rabbits and they're a little bit you know some of them say they might work and some of them say they they may not do anything at all um so so you know the jury's still out there i think a lot of work still needs to be done and the difficulty is too that i um, there's so many, you know, an increasing number of products on the market, Mark, that I don't think have had any, any rigorous sort of um, um, thought, thought go into the um, packaging and, and uh, of the product, not packaging of the package that the product's in, but um, and often, often much more thought goes into the, the packaging <laughs> of the package. Yes, I'd, I'd say so. They look very good, and it makes you feel good. And I think that's why people, all, you know, they think it's natural that you know we're re-establishing good good bugs into the gut. Um, what can be bad about it? And um, well potentially what can be bad about it the main main potential bad thing that could happen is that it takes money out of your wallet wallet or purse mark i think um but i think the other thing i also think of it a little bit like um you know a natural remedy for a neoplastic condition in humans that um that by diverting effort um and focus away from the medical treatments that have been shown empirically to work, um, you can stall their introduction to the process and maybe that can cause a problem. And to be more specific, I think that um, that leads us to the prebiotic story that um, 
you really, to have the good bugs growing in the cecum and the colon of your rabbit, you really need appropriate levels of fiber going into the diet. And it really doesn't matter what, um, what bugs you put into the rabbit's mouth. Um, if you haven't got the right uh, supporting matrix of, uh, of fiber in the cecum, you're not going to have those bacteria grow into a healthy crop of microbiome. And I think that gets back to what we were always pushing for these rabbits that are struggling with their gut health, especially the ones with the gut stasis in that we're, we're making sure that we're feeding that animal and we're using products like the critical care that we know that we need to try and get things moving as far as getting actual... Um, nutrition and energy into the rabbit but we're trying to help re-establish as you say normal fiber and other other products in there which act as potentially a prebiotic as well um and the, you know as far as the papers that have um been published mark there's some interesting ones out there one was done back in early 2000 in published in javma mark which was to, the objective was to evaluate the contents of a commercial probiotic products marketed for veterinary or human consumption. And they did a microbiological culture assay of eight veterinary probiotics and five human products. products and their conclusion and clinical relevance was that most commercial veterinary probiotic preparations are not accurately represented by label claims. Quality... Quality control appears to be poor for commercial veterinary probiotics. Was there was there other comment there? So, um, which is sort of what I hinted at early on. So, so yeah, getting back to that, uh, I mentioned about do the bacteria survive through the passage of that very acid stomach? Um, once through there, we also have to worry about whether or not the bacteria survive the next step, get into that cecum, and then surviving in that cecum, which has a really anaerobic sort of um, um, condition in there, Mark, um, and then if it's done that, um, is it the right um, bacteria that's been put in there um, to help sort of reseed or help promote the the um, production or growth of, of associated good bugs in there? So there's a lot of ifs with that, and um, you know, um, I think my my simple method of um, and it's something you sort of mentioned um, um, pre-starting the recording, Mark, is thinking about doing our um, equivalent of the poo milkshake, um, and that is getting some normal, good quality um, feces or, or, or cecotrophs from a, an apparently healthy rabbit, and feeding that, especially the cecotrophs, to the to the unhealthy rabbit, um, because that cecotroph is already coated with that mucus that helps protect uh, what's inside that um, material. A cecotroph uh, go go through the gut and past the stomach. There, Mark. So, do you recommend that? Well, I've, I have definitely uh, taken advantage of the access two healthy cecotrophs and provided those to uh, rabbits either um, you know uh, mixing them up with a critical care feed or um, even in some cases trying to short circuit the acid contents of the stomach and while well, we had a rabbit anesthetized um, uh, um, doing some form of colonic lavage to introduce those bugs into at least the distal part of the large intestine. Um, I'd, you know, what am I going to say? 
we've we've probably got a handful of of cases. Those cases uh, went well, and so um, I'm sort of inclined to think that they that I haven't done any harm. Um, whether they do all the good that I hope they do, I don't know that I have the evidence to say. Yeah, it's. Um it's tricky. So, what about harm, Mark? I mean, you mentioned you don't know whether the harm. Do you think there's a? Is there a? How would you classify the percentage of or the likelihood of harm by using probiotics or prebiotics? My bottom line would be very low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, I think the the risks. While while I think nothing is absolutely risk free, and I think the potential for um, something bad happen uh, exists, and particularly where you, you're talking about, um, no matter how uh, normally beneficial um, and positive certain bacteria are, they're only that way when they're in the right location in the right sort of circumstance. And if um, if you know they're to be get if they get somewhere else, if um, if something unusual happens, if the immune system or gut motility never returns to normal, then then uh, there are potential negative consequences, but um, I honestly think they're they're very very rare. Um, while theoretically possible, I don't think they're as clinically relevant as the as the um, as the potential benefit. So on balance, I tend to recommend their use. Yeah, and you you said something very insightful. As For usual, once. Mark. As <laughs> usual, uh, you mentioned you basically hinted that you often use the discussion of probiotics and prebiotics with clients about gut health and making sure that the animal is is having food in its system, and that we use that as a a little segue, I suppose, or a little way of um, introducing the fact that we may want to feed that animal some critical care if it's not eating much, etc. And I think that's a an excellent point and a a great way of um, um, steering the client I suppose um, towards um, thinking about gut health generally and then then obviously we'd we'd go the next step and tell them stop feeding those horrible mixes um, and 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 um, bread and stuff that you might be feeding to your rabbit um, so yeah I, I think it's there's always an opportunity isn't there mark to to um, to educate about the right way to go about things um, even if um, we're slowly steering away from the topic in question and I think you're right I think you've got to use that uh, concept of a you know a, a lawn of of bacteria in the gut can only grow the right way if it if it's on the right substrate and that means you've not only got to put the bugs in in some powdered form you've got to give them the right stuff to feed on um, and that's fiber with rabbits we know what the the um the critical thing in the diet is and um and we know that the vast majority of uh, male digestion and gut stasis rabbits are um are not on a diet that's um that's conducive to a normal gut biome so so yeah i think um leading from one discussion to another and if one the use of one benefits the other, then then we're going to come out in front in the long run. We're all winners, Mark, including the rabbit, if that happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's about yeah, it's I think it's a it's a small topic, and basically we've ended up saying it's a small topic with a big 
important, I reckon, because it's such a common question uh, in my practice anyway with clients and it is not unusual for veterinarians to to email or phone and say, look, you know, we have a client that wants to use this particular probiotic or prebiotic in, in their rabbit. What do you think? Um, and that's where you can go down this rabbit hole, Mark, and you might want to talk to the client, uh, talk to the vet or the client for a lengthy period of time or um, we end up with our sort of fuzzy summary that we've given here um, in the podcast, Mark, which is saying that these products are probably unlikely to be harmful and they may or may not give some benefit and be wary about the packaging of, of, and the promotion of some of these um, supposed miracle cures, you know. Uh, I've got one in, question for you, Brendan. Um, I, I, that, I think that we've provided a good summary for the, you know, the cases um, of, of the most common cases we see in rabbit practice, the, the maldigestion gut stasis bunnies. But I get a couple of cases referred to me where um, there, there could well be the history is suggestive of a dysbiosis as a result of antibiotic use. Um, do you, do you, would you be more urgent in using? Would you be would you be keener to use um, uh, probiotic uh, formulations in those rabbits? Mm, maybe. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> um, I, I look. I think the exact same rules apply. That I think. Uh, you're not likely to reseed the gut with the precise bugs that um, you've killed with your antibiotics. You may well provide some degree of protection by outgrowing the most pathogenic bugs, but you might not. Um, the bugs are unlikely to survive the serious acidity of the stomach. Um, you might be best off using cecotrophs um, and colonic washes. All the same general rules apply, I think. Um, so, so yeah, I would recommend them, but with about the same urgency that I would every other time. Yes, and you mentioned, and we haven't, we should just dig into that briefly before we head out of here, Mark. You mentioned colonic washes, um, and I know you have used those or, or trying to reseed, um, it, I presume, in the occasional rabbit by doing a, the old poo enema um, in these rabbits I presume is what you're doing and um, if and I know we have mentioned it in a previous podcast I can't remember what n number it was or how long ago it was but I'd be curious as as to your current thoughts on that particular procedure and its potential benefits and and risks as well Mark. Well I think the key thing is that um, the key risk is that I wouldn't do it if I didn't have a rabbit that was heavily sedated um, I think the risks of trying to insert uh, a, um, uh, um, uh, you know, red rubber tube far enough to ensure that you got some of the the uh, suspended fecal material into the colon, um, if you were doing that in a conscious rabbit, well, they might jump a little bit and potentially cause some problems, particularly if they were in a, a situation where they had some uh, hyperemic gut and, and yeah I'd just be very careful about that but if I hadn't a uh, heavily sedated rabbit I would definitely uh, slide a tube in and and uh, some uh, warmed uh, suspended cecotrophs I don't think you can you know get you're not going to get them far enough up the colon to approach the cecum but um, but those bacteria during the periods of time where 
um, there's altered movement in the large bowel, I think it's reasonable to assume you could have growth occur in, in a retrograde fashion and eventually reach the cecum and, and uh, restock it with healthy bugs. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit keener for that sort of intervention in cases where I think it's indicated. Yes, yeah, so selecting for those particularly difficult cases that um, it's, I just worry about um, doing that procedure, Mark. Sorry, I'm not quite as confident with, as you with um, doing the old um, poo milkshake, um, the colonic poo milkshake. But um, I, I understand and I see your thought process um, absolutely. Um, so if you have an interest in prebiotics or probiotics in rabbits and you want to drop us a line vetgurus at gmail.com we would love to hear from you and uh, if not don't forget to subscribe and we'll talk to you all next week thank you for listening and mr outro is here and we're out of here talk to you next week for listening to the vet podcast by the vet gurus don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe view show notes listen to previous episodes and more you can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi thanks again and see you next time